Yeah, yeah. Ball so hard, you better believe me, it's scary. It's basketball, let the ball with Calvin and Barry. So put a tip in the jar, cause these dudes can really fill it up. Whether it's buckets, you need enough just a beer in a cup. We're here, we're fresh. Conversations, got some delicious libations. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. My boys, got you covered like you being guarded by pay. From the glove to the cloth, and everyone else in between. Calvin and Barry got everything that you need. So sit back, relax, because we're starting the show. It's basketball at the bar, grab your drinks and let's go. Yeah, yeah. Grab a drink and let's go. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Let's get it. What's up, ballers? Welcome to Basketball at the Bar. Join us live every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube, where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code, and you can take us wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like, and don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks, and let's go. What's up, Steven? Good to see you here in the chat. Shout out to everybody that's watching live. Thank you guys for joining us. Calvin, it's Tuesday, May 31st. The last day of the month. And we got a full show for you guys today. We're going to talk about the NBA Finals. Uh, we're going to talk about the first player to sign with Kanye's Donda agency. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the draft, the ESPN mock draft that just came out today. The Cavs hire a new assistant coach. We're going to talk about LeBron's takeover in Detroit. Uh, what you can expect from us here at Basketball at the Bar this week and next week as games uh, die down here we are in the finals so we don't have a game every day and then we're going to end the show as always with q a so make sure you guys stay tuned to the end and uh, make sure you guys come up with all your good questions because we got answers right cal that's right no games today so we got to have answers i guess <laughs> at least at least we tried to how's your tuesday so far so far so good yeah gotta pay rent after this that kind of sucks but Oh yeah, I was just at the bank. The line is uh is nice and long. So hope you enjoy that. Uh Steven says, I heard the Lakers have no intent to trade Westbrook. Depends on who you ask. Uh Yeah, I think I think the intent is they don't they don't intend to give away any other additional assets, i.e. first round picks. They want to trade Westbrook. They just don't want to give up anything else. Phil Jackson doesn't want to trade Westbrook. Phil Jackson's not really a part of this team. I mean, yes, he's a special advisor to them, but I think if you ask the front office, probably if you ask LeBron, they yeah. want to trade Westbrook. <laughs> What's up, Gotham? Good to see you here. Thank you for joining us. And, yes, we basically have two weeks left of basketball before the offseason starts, uh, but we still have a ton of stuff during the offseason. we got the draft. we got free agency. Uh, we have a bunch of other things. Calvin and I are going to be doing some more 2K stuff on here. Uh, so we will uh, definitely discuss that before we end the show today. But first off, Calvin, let's talk about the NBA Finals. Game 1 is scheduled in Golden State on Thursday, 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Hawaii Standard Time. Any updates, Calvin, regarding the Finals, injuries, projections, anything like that? Well, Shams reported today that Gary Payton II is trending towards playing in Game 1. We did talk yesterday about some injury updates that the Warriors are likely to get all three, Otto Porter, Andre Iguodala, and Gary Payton II, back at some point in the finals, but we weren't sure when. Today, 
this report comes out that Gary Payton, who is the most injured out of all of them, uh, I mean, Andre, the neck injury probably <laughs> is a, a lingering thing that, that definitely sucks, but to recover in four weeks from a fractured elbow is pretty incredible. The fact that he could be ready for game one is shocking to me. As somebody who has broken my elbow, yeah, and the the amount of rehab and physical therapy, I, my injury was probably a little bit worse. Much than his, worse, but much worse. Still, the fact that you can be playing in an NBA Finals game a month after fracturing your elbow is a- absurd to me. So they must have some good trainers. Calvin is the broken elbow expert here <laughs> on the channel, so I, I don't really have too much to say other than your injury was much, much worse. Broken and dislocated. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a piece of my elbow came completely off. I, yeah. It was. It required a lot more rehab than and Gary Payton. you don't have people following you around all day long telling you what to do, what not to do, how to fix That's it. That's true. I also didn't stuff, have so. the medical attention or care yeah. or uh, you know training staff that Gary Payton has. Steven says the NBA screwed the Celtics. The Celtics are the number two seed and the Warriors are the number three, yet Golden State got home court advantage. Do you agree with that? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the Warriors finished this regular season with a better record. So uh, there's multiple ways to look at it. I, at least they don't do it the way baseball does it, where the all-star game winner gets. You don't like that? Home. No, I think that's absurdly <laughs> dumb. I think the West won the All-Star game this year because I saw some people posting about it online. They're like, why do the Warriors have home court? And they're like, oh, the All-Star game. And people are arguing. They're like, no, they don't do that here. It would add, uh, you but know. But the All-Star game in the NBA now isn't really even East versus West. But it's it would. A, it's a combination. It of would two. add a little bit more excitement to the All-Star game, right? And motivate people to win it. That might be true from the league's perspective, from, uh, you know, the – the money-making perspective, but as a fan or as somebody who cares about basketball, uh, the, the winner of the All-Star game should not determine home court advantage Okay. in the finals. It should be based on what your individual team did all year long to get there. Steven <laughs> says the higher seed should get home court. I'm so mixed on this. Uh, if the NBA just took the the best, uh, you know, 16 teams and just said one, two, three, four, all the way across, and maybe I would agree with that, but I don't really know, man. Best record seems to be the best way to do it, but I don't think it's perfect. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I guess, a little mixed on it, too. I mean, if you're the higher seed, you should have a better record, right, like yeah. in, in most cases, but in this case, they don't. So it, it's an interesting debate. I'm and not sure there's road, really a, a right or wrong right? answer here. If you're a higher seed, your road should be technically easier to get yeah. to the finals, right? Because yeah. you played worse teams, theoretically. But uh, Of course it makes yeah. a huge difference, having home court. So Gary Payton is uh, projected to play here on Thursday. We don't know exactly when Iguodala will be able to return any uh, any changes in your thoughts? I know you have the Celtics winning this series. Any further ideas? I, I was talking with Pat a little bit yesterday via text message, but I, I want to hear if you've changed any opinions or thoughts or anything. Um, no, I mean, I still, I'm still going to take Boston to win this series, probably in seven games. Um, I, I can't see it 
being less than six here for either team, either result. I, I'm just really interested to see how the rotations and the, the lineups change here in the finals. Because both what both teams prefer to do, especially in the closing portion of the game, late in the fourth quarter, are, are very different. The, the Celtics play with size. Mm-hmm. They play with a lot of physicality. Um, and, and they're tenacious defensively. The Warriors play small ball. They move it around uh, a lot, a lot of pick and rolls, a lot of off-ball movement, and they play with a three-guard lineup. And, and that is the most interesting part here because Steve Kerr might not be able to keep Jordan Poole on the court as long as he wants to in this mm-hmm. series. I just don't see where the Warriors are going to go defensively from a matchup standpoint playing those three guards with Wiggins and Green because you're going to be asking too much of Jordan Poole or Steph Curry. They're going to have to guard guys that are much bigger than them and incredibly talented offensive players. Yep. I think you got to throw Looney out there. I, I oh, think, he will play I big minutes. I think you need to get season. something Absolutely. from Looney. And, and I also, as strange as it sounds, Iguodala's old. But I expect him to have an impact on this series. Yeah. Uh, I think he can do a great job slowing down a guy like Jalen Brown. Maybe not Jason Tatum, uh, but I think he can be very productive defensively against some of these guys. And I expect him to have a huge impact. Yeah, I agree. I I just think it's going to be really – Steve Kerr's coaching ability is going to be on full display. I mean, both coaches will definitely. But I I think the the Celtics can – they're not going to have to, in terms of lineups and rotations, they're not going to have to change that much to what they do. Even their big men, Horford and Williams, they've shown in this postseason that they can get on the perimeter and guard you know, skilled perimeter players. We saw Horford shut down Kevin Durant in their first-round series. Robert Williams was guarding Jimmy Butler in spots on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. They can't do that maybe over the course of 48 minutes, but they can in spots. That the Warriors are going to have to make more adjustments, I think, and they're the deeper team, so they have the ability to do that. Yeah. But it's just going to be really interesting to to me to see how the the lineups play out from game to game. Back to Stevens' point here: home court in this series makes a huge difference. The Warriors have a big advantage here. The Heat had home court in the last series, and it went to Game Seven in Miami, and Boston was able to pull it off. If I were to just think about home court and, and kind of the advantage that it brings in, in the finals or in the playoffs, I just keep thinking back to the bubble, right? Because a yeah. lot of people like to trash on the Lakers. I love trash on the Lakers as a Kings <laughs> fan. Uh, but a lot of people like to trash on the Lakers and they say that championship doesn't matter because it was in the bubble and all this stuff. I want to hear your thoughts. Is it harder to win in the bubble? Is it easier because... As the Lakers, you basically had no home home court advantage, right? Or is every game a home court advantage for you? I, I don't know. The bubble was such a unique situation. I, I'm not, and because it's only happened one time, I, I don't know if you can really make any. Um, it's more generalities, I think, than it is assumptions like that. That one team had the advantage over another. Uh, it, it was probably just a, a mind state, you know, a mental standpoint that teams yeah. had to. That's why we saw teams like Miami go so far because Jimmy Butler is one of those guys that can just block out all distractions and focus on what needs to be done in the moment of the game. So, <clears throat> um, But back to the, the home court advantage in this series, 
Um, yes, home court is a big deal. Yes, the Warriors are undefeated at home this season. There was another team that was un- or s- this postseason. There was another team that was undefeated at home in the postseason going into a series with the Boston Celtics, mm-hmm. and that was the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out for them. So, it, yes, I, I don't want to make it seem like home court means nothing, but Boston's a great team. Yeah. All they have to do is get one of these first two games in San Francisco, and the, the home court advantage completely swings the other way. So, you know, it, you just have to uh, – if you're Boston, I, you can't be worried about the fact that we're the two seed and we don't have home court advantage. Yep. You, you got to – you know you're going to have to win a game on the road to win the trophy anyway. Yeah, you're just ecstatic to be in the finals because, like we mentioned on yesterday's show, in January you were three games below 500. People were talking about how Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum did not fit well together, and now you're in the NBA finals. So it's kind of a balance of celebrating the accomplishment already, enjoying the moment, but also like job job's not done, right, right. as Jason Tatum right. would say from his idol Kobe Bryant. So uh, it's going to be an interesting series. It's a very interesting series. Any last things to mention based on the finals before we move on? Uh, I just I can't wait for them to tip it off. We have to wait a whole another two more days, basically. Yeah. It, it's not fun. It's crazy. Let's but, get it going. But we'll be here every day this week uh, live, so make sure you guys join us for that. In other news, Kanye West signs his first NBA player to his Donda agency. And, Calvin, who is that player? That player is Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics. Wow. He now joins your boy, Aaron Donald, of the L.A. Rams as the two most high-profile players uh, part of this agency. And we saw Aaron Donald courtside for Game 7, which was exciting. Interesting article from him about, uh, you know, what it would take for him to come back if he's contemplating retirement, all that stuff. I think he will return for the Rams. But uh, at this point, you know, you've already, like, reached the mountaintop. It's like, what else is there to gain? But you could say all those stuffs about a guy like Tom Brady. Are you you hinting that Jalen Brown might decide otherwise if they (laughs) they win the title this year? I mean, it's definitely interesting to be signing a guy that's going to the finals as your first your first guy, yeah. right? But uh, Jalen Brown's going to have a huge series. I don't think he's anywhere close to retirement. No, I not don't like think so Aaron either. Donald. But my, my biggest thing is I can't wait to see the first shoe. Yeah, that comes out for Jalen Brown here as part because personally, I the <laughs> what are they called the Air Yeezys or whatever? Yeah, the Yeezys. The Yeezys, not for me. So I, I'm interested to I see like what they come up with for. For Jalen Brown. I like a couple of them. I don't like the ones that look like Crocs. Yeah, those things are ridiculous. They are wild. But, you know, if you've been watching, uh, you know, Kanye recently, all his interviews, all his concerts that he's done, like, the dude dresses crazy now. He's got a jean jacket on and big work boots to, like, every concert. He's a lyrical genius. Yeah, he is. He is uh, definitely something along those lines. (laughs) But uh, congratulations to him and congratulations to Jalen Brown. We'll see what happens here. You know, a lot of people question LeBron when he started his own agency, and uh, Clutch Sports has yeah, gone up and I, up. So. I'm just happy to see that, you know, it's not just Nike and Adidas that dominate anymore. There's some, we've seen LaMelo sign with Puma, yep. um, all these other, you know, 
Lonzo. brands are coming back. Signing yeah. his dad. <laughs> Big baller brand, all that stuff. There's just a lot more, uh, you know, Steph Curry is Under Armour, all that. All There's a lot more parody now in the world of yeah. sports apparel and fashion, which I think is a good thing. You know, as much as I loved Nike and Jordans yeah. and stuff like that growing up, I think more uh, designs, more brands, more color schemes, all that stuff is only a good thing. More diversity, more competition, better product for the consumers. Uh, and it's forcing all these guys to work harder, right, to yeah. make things stand yeah. out. So win-win uh, for us as fans. Are you getting a first pair of the shoes? Depends on what they look like. Really? Yeah. Okay. If they look like those Crocs, hell no. You think they're going to be green? I think they have to be. they got to be bright green, They have right? to be green. All right, moving on. Let's talk about the NBA draft. Uh, we're just a few weeks away, just over, uh, I think, three weeks at this point to the NBA draft. ESPN has released its uh, new mock draft. Calvin is a ESPN Plus subscriber, <laughs> so he has access. I do not, but uh, he did send me a copy of it. You got it. Get on that, man. That way you can watch the Tom Brady documentary. I, I did it for a little while, and then I just was like, I have Hulu, I have YouTube TV, I have all these other memberships, and Sacramento Bee is the one that pisses me off the most. Oh, yeah, I'm like, they're, come they're on, terrible. Come on. Um, but, yeah, I do need to do that. Anyways, back to the draft. We have a new consensus number one overall pick for the Orlando Magic, according to ESPN, Calvin. And it is? Jabari Smith. Wow. According to multiple reports from NBA executives, the Magic are leaning more towards Jabari Smith over Chet Holmgren. Interesting. They love his floor spacing. I mean, both guys have pretty similar skill sets. Uh, Holmgren is maybe the more proven uh, rim protector or defender, uh, a little more diversified in terms of his skill set offensively he's a better ball handler better passer right now Jabari Smith is one of the best big men shooters available in this draft period has a great defensive potential and they really like the idea of putting him next to uh, whether it's going to be Mo Bamba or you know alongside that young core with Bogner Jalen Suggs Jonathan Isaac mm -hmm. they could be a, a really really long and uh, tough defensive team if they can put the team yeah. defensive aspect together don't forget Markel Fultz is on that team that's too. true I, I yeah. totally forgot he was still on that team according to ESPN they said the magic will cast a wide net in exploring whom to select with the top pick and will bring in the drafts top three prospects Smith Holmgren and Banchero for in-person meetings. Most NBA teams are operating under the assumption that Smith will end up hearing his name called here as he fits both the front office and coaching staff's philosophy for what they look for in a prospect. He is also an outstanding fit for the Magic team that badly struggled to space the floor effectively last season. Smith was arguably the most dynamic shooter in college, converting 42% of his three-pointers despite standing six foot ten. He's a highly versatile defender who plays with outstanding intensity, switching all over the floor with quick feet and impressive energy, giving the Magic the ability to play in a variety of lineup configurations with their existing players. Basically, exactly what you just said here. What do you think about the the matchup or or at least uh, the, the pairing of Jabari Smith and a guy like Mo Bamba? I like it a lot. I mean... For all of the reasons that you just listed there in that little excerpt of this article, uh, he he fits the mold for this team. Like like was just said there, 
Mo Bamba and Jabari Smith together. Incredible rebounding and rim protection potential there. You add guys like Jonathan Isaac into the fold. Jalen Suggs, who was a phenomenal defender in college. This team has a ton of athletic defensive potential. Again, you know, it's they're all really young for the most part, and it still is undetermined how that f- would all fit together. Uh, but I, I think it would be a really solid pick. I think either one of these guys, Holmgren or Smith, yep. would be a good fit for them. So it, it really comes down to what which guy do they like better. But this is perhaps bigger news for your Sacramento Kings, right? Because if this is, in fact, the yep. move, Jabari Smith going number one, that leaves the door open for this rumor that we've already heard, the Kings moving up to number two to select Chet Holmgren. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly... Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren would work out for the Sacramento Kings, right? The Kings have wanted floor spacing. They want a guy that can, uh, you know, allow Sabonis some more time and ability to work inside, which is a guy like Jabari Smith. They've also lacked rim protection, which screams Chet Holmgren to me. Um, We can move on for the first overall pick, and we'll go number two on this list. Oklahoma City is projected to pick Chet Holmgren. We've uh, mentioned the Kings are potentially moving up from pick four to pick two. If you're Oklahoma City, why would you want to trade this pick? And uh, if you're Sacramento, why move up or why give up anything just to move up only two picks? Well, the easy answer for Oklahoma City is they're so in love with draft picks, right? <laughs> they would rather have more picks than than players. Um, I'm not really sure. I, I mean, I think Chet Holmgren would be an excellent pick for the Oklahoma City Thunder, just like Jabari Smith would. They need front court players. They need rim protection. They need rebounding. They need floor spacing, better shooters. Those two guys give all of, check all of those boxes. So I'm not totally sure what the motivation for trading this pick would be for Oklahoma City, other than the fact that they've got so many picks, the idea Mm -hmm. might be, instead of drafting one of these players in this class, using all of those picks to go out and get a win-now player yep. to help complement uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander Bradley in Beal? his development, perhaps. Um, or uh, maybe it's a starting power forward or a starting center, something like that. Yeah. Um, as far as the Kings go, though, I think the motivation is obvious here. Like, this we've heard it time and time again this draft is a three-player draft after that it's basically a crapshoot of the top three players (laughs) none of those guys are you know the franchise day one franchise changing players however if you're the kings you have to improve at two positions shooting guard and power forward slash center depending on what your mm-hmm. ro- your lineup is with Sabonis and whoever that guy drafted is. They need rim protection. They need floor spacing. They need shooting. Holmgren is potentially the best player in this class. That's what he's been advertised as. And he gives you all of those things, rim protection, rebounding, and floor spacing, mm-hmm. as well as another big man who's actually a skilled passer alongside Sabonis. So uh, the motivation for Sacramento is obvious here to yep. move up. Yeah, and maybe Oklahoma City really likes Ivy or Sharp or one of these other yeah. guys, so they moved down. We didn't even mention the fact that Jaden Ivy has thrown a lot of shade at Sacramento yeah. and Oklahoma City in this pre-draft process. So, yeah, he is is definitely not happy at this point. 
But yeah, Chet Holmgren is uh, projected to go pick number two to Oklahoma City or whoever trades for that pick. And number three, Paulo Benchero from Duke projected to go to the Houston Rockets at pick number three. It said the Rockets pick third in what many consider to be a three-player draft, making this a relatively easy choice on face value. Ivy's candidacy is also under consideration here, as the idea of constructing arguably the most explosive backcourt in the NBA is said to be intriguing for the Rockets brass. But it will be difficult to pass on what many consider to be the draft's most skilled offensive player. It's 6'10", shot-creating, dynamic uh, Banchero, who can carry a significant load with his ability to handle, pass, and shoot. Banchero's playmaking ability should pair well with the explosive transition scoring and shot-making ability Jalen Green offers. Banchero could start next to a more traditional big man. I mean, they already have a guy like Christian Wood on that team. Does Banchero fit next to Christian Wood, is, or is this Christian Wood's replacement? Well, that's the big question mark here I, I think they've also got Alfred uh, Sagan who they drafted in the first round last year uh, more of a traditional post-up <clears throat> center who's very skilled whereas Christian Wood is more of a perimeter based uh, forward or center um, and then the they're still like kicking around this idea of drafting Jaden Ivey because they could have yeah. potentially the most explosive athletic backcourt in the league with him and Jalen Green we've heard Rumors of Russell Westbrook maybe reuniting in Houston. I think the the uh, bigger story here is what's going on with Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah, he had exactly. a really productive year for them statistically last season, but of course they didn't win very many games. Um, the Rockets, you know, could really go a lot of different ways here in this draft, but I still think it makes the most sense for them to take Ben Caro. He's an incredibly skilled big man who can. Also, like, run your offense from the forward position. Jalen Green is more of an off-ball uh, guy. He's very ball-dominant, like, in terms of scoring, but his athletic ability with a forward who could get him the ball potentially in the offense, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And Ben Caro, I think, can play with both centers they have, Wood and Sagan. So I still think that that will ultimately be the pick. <clears throat> Tito, I don't think Chet will drop to four, but I think the Kings have – potential to move up to two and take him at two but i i expect chet to go one or two in this draft i don't think he's going to fall past two but you never know you never know yep phoenix appreciate all the comments from you uh we're going to talk about what you what you mentioned here in just a little bit so just hold off one second let's finish the draft stuff and then we'll be happy to debate about defensive ratings of teams so no worries there all right, and it still has in this mock draft Jaden Ivey, number four. Keegan Murray moves up to number five. And uh, Dyson Daniels moves up to number six. And Shaden Sharp is really the guy that falls in the draft, falls to pick number seven to the Portland Trailblazers, which is funny because this could be the new C.J. McCollum for uh Could Damian be the Lillard. steal of the draft, yeah. potentially, Yeah, at seven. Very, very interesting. Benedict Matherin is projected to go to uh, New Orleans at 8, uh, Jalen Duran to the Spurs at 9, and Johnny Davis to the Wizards at pick 10. We're going to continue to see these guys shuffle up and down the board. Maybe the top two, three guys will stay in the same spot, but all the rest 
like you said, a crapshoot, not in a bad way, but just in terms of like trying to differentiate between these guys and and what they bring. If we're being honest, most picks in in every draft outside of the top five are are a crapshoot. Phoenix wants to know if Portland will trade their pick or you think that they will take uh, a guy like Matherin or, or Shaden Sharp. Um, I don't, I guess I would be surprised if they trade their pick just because they're, they're financially in a much better position than a lot of teams are. It's not like they need to use this pick as bait in order to lure in big name free agents. Uh, They've already been linked to Zach Levine um, stuff like that. And if Shaden Sharp does actually fall to them at seven, they're in a position where they can take a, a gamble <clears throat> on a player that could potentially have the highest upside in the whole class. Yep. A guy that would fit well with Damian Lillard, has star potential. Um, so I, I think it makes more sense that they keep this pick than trade it. Yeah, uh, unless they're going to get some crazy, crazy deal I- in return. I, I don't know. But I, I don't see that really happening either. Yeah, it kind of goes back to what we discussed. I think it was two weeks ago where we talked about should the draft be before free agency, right? Because yeah. like those guys that you mentioned, like Zach Levine, you're not going to know if he's willing to come to your team right. until free agency. And Shaden so. Sharp would be a good... Uh, you know, backup plan. Yeah, backup plan. If you're not able to sign somebody like Zach. Yeah, or you draft a guy like that, and then maybe you trade him to bring in more talent, uh, which is interesting. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Phoenix says I'm hearing the OG Ananobi trade rumors uh, for pick number seven and Josh Hart, something like that. Yeah. I, I- I mean, there's a reason why they're called rumors, right? Like, it makes a lot of sense from multiple standpoints, but who knows if that's really what Portland wants to do. You know, OG Ananobi is a fantastic player who's gotten a lot better and a wonderful, wonderful defensive player for sure. But I think the Blazers are looking for real star power right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think a lot of these teams are like, we need to win now. We need to get stars I still don't know why Portland gave up C.J. McCollum for what they did, but you never know. You never know. All right, before we move on here to uh, the Cavs assistant coach rumors, did you want to address Phoenix uh, and your comments on the Celtics defense versus the Raptors? The only thing I'll say is, yeah, you're right. Like The statistics speak for themselves. That Raptors team finished second behind the 0-4 Pistons. I think the the and the offensive NBA game has changed a lot since 2004 so I will add that as a caveat but this Celtics team they were the number one defensive team in the league this year and all five of their starters received a vote for defensive player of the year including the guy that actually won the award the Raptors in 2019 can't say that so both of these teams are great defensively I, I don't know if there is really a true winner here but I th- think this Celtics team is better Uh, that's all I will say the tough thing about looking at these statistics is I mean I would say that this Celtics team was two different teams this season right before they got rid of uh Dennis Schroeder yeah they were a much different team than they are now they have the best record from the all-star break until now in the NBA and I bet if you were to just kind of break down their defensive ratings for the second half of the season versus the first half it's pretty incredible 
just to think that they are still the number one ranked defense considering they had two different teams and they were below 500 in January. So they did make some moves. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's a wrong or a right answer here. Both great defensive teams, both made it to the NBA finals. We'll see what happens for Boston here, but a uh, shout out to Dennis Schroeder because if they win, he gets a ring, which I, I think is pretty, pretty interesting. Who cares if they got media votes? Toronto had three players uh, cruise in 2019 in the regular season to prevent injury. The, uh, their defense skyrocketed in the postseason when they played everyone. Okay, that's fine. You don't care about media votes. Is Marcus Smart a better defender than Kyle Lowry? Yes or no? I'm taking Marcus Smart. Um, I'm probably going to take... Siakam might be a, a more versatile defender, but Al Horford has totally held his own. I'm definitely taking Robert Williams over Marc Gasol. And they picked up Gasol halfway defender. through yeah. the year. Yeah. Maybe Gasol, like, I realize this is towards the end of his prime. It, it wasn't like he, he lost everything at that point. But Gasol, you know, a couple years earlier, yeah, I, I will give you that over Robert Williams. But I love Robert Williams as a defender. Kawhi, by far, is the best out of any team. So He pushes the needle. You're right. Gasol is all defensive caliber, and so is Robert Williams. Like, I, I love how you're just totally discrediting everything the Celtics did this year. I'm, I'm telling you, Phoenix, you're right. The Toronto Raptors were a really, really good defensive team. That's not my argument. I just feel like you're sliding Boston a little bit too much here. Yeah, Marcus Gasol didn't even average a block or a steal per game on that Raptors team, but he was 34. Interesting. It's hard to compare. Hard to compare. Two great defenses. Two great defenses for sure. All right, let's move on here. New news in Cleveland. You want to break the news? Yeah. Luke Walton has been hired by the Cleveland Cavaliers as an assistant coach. So he will join J.B. Bickerstaff's staff. Interesting. What does this mean for the Cavs? <laughs> um. I mean, I don't know what it means for the Cavs. They're, they're a team that's on the up and up. So This is the right spot for him that you were saying when he got fired, right? Was he just needed well, a lesser yeah. role on a team? I believe that he is a, a sol very solid assistant coach in the NBA. I think he's been an in integral part of a lot of really good teams. Um, I just don't feel like he's the right guy to lead your, your organization. Yeah. Yeah, shout-out to Luke Walton. Hopefully he does well there. I really like that Cavs team and the way they're building. I saw an interesting mock trade. <laughs> Enough with the media, man. <laughs> I'm just I'm just talking about the players on the court at this point. I saw an interesting <laughs> mock trade of, of LeBron returning to Cleveland for, like, Jared Allen, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro. Uh, what would you think about a deal like that? Um, a deal, sorry, a deal like what? Can LeBron returning to Cleveland for yeah. Jared Allen, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro. Man. Uh, Does that help both teams? Maybe in the, in the short term, but it definitely helps the Lakers in the long term more than it helps the Cavs by far. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. But, yeah, Cavs are, Cavs are definitely on the up and up. I like what they're building. Uh, we will see what happens with them next year. Today marks the 15th anniversary of LeBron's takeover in Detroit. 
scoring the final 25 points in regulation and overtime to lead them to a victory. Incredible game. It was. was. Uh, I didn't get to see uh, God disguised as Michael Jordan when he went for 60-plus in the garden. So that performance by LeBron is probably the single most impressive playoff performance I've ever seen in my lifetime. Yeah. I can still remember watching that game in 2007. It was absurd. Yeah. A- and it was against the number one seeded team in the East. So one of the best defenses. Best defense of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. <clears throat> Phoenix. I don't know if you watch Kyle Lowry in the playoffs this year for the Miami heat, but he was absolute garbage on defense. Well, he was hurt. Like uh, let's, I don't, I'm done with this argument, by the way, Phoenix, like <laughs> you, you can have Toronto. I, I see that you're a, a Homer here for the Toronto <laughs> Raptors. That's a joke. Don't take that seriously. But, um, you look at both. They're both great defenses. Just like the that 04 Pistons defense was amazing. You can go back a, a long time. I mean, the Golden State Warriors have had great defensive teams. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. He was injured. He was injured. I, I was just making a joke. But watching him play defense was very hard to watch. And they're like, why did he take that foul? Like, what is going on here? What's your question about Portland, though? I, I'm curious. I'm curious to see. And then uh, we're going to kind of wrap up here with what to expect for us for the next two weeks and then uh, jump into Q&A. So if you guys have any more questions, we got answers. While you're writing down your question about Portland and any other questions that you have, let's talk about what to expect here from Calvin and I over the next two weeks. We have basically two weeks left, this week and next week, until the NBA Finals will be over. Calvin and I will remain here Monday through Friday every single day, this week and next week. Then we're going to be tapering off a little bit uh, when there aren't things to talk about. We'll still be discussing off-season stuff, off-season needs for teams. We'll be doing some NBA 2K rebuilds. We'll be doing kind of random, sporadic live streams when there are news events to talk about. And we're going to be covering the draft and free agency and all that stuff as well. So please hit the like button. Please hit subscribe. We're going to have a ton more content coming out for you guys. But over this week and next week, we're going to be covering the finals, and any open time that we have, we're going to break down every single team, all the offseason needs for all 30 teams. Uh, we'll be reposting those, so if you don't have enough time to watch them live, you can catch the, the recap on those. But uh, as much basketball as we can cover, we will be here on the channel. So yeah, two more weeks on Monday through Friday, and then it's uh, going to be news-based. All right, let's jump here into Q&A. He had three Lowry, timely Lowry is great at taking charges. Yes. You know who else is? Marcus Smart. <laughs> also very, very good at taking charges. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he's he's a good player, man. Kyle Lowry is, is a great player. I, I want to hear from you, though. Is Kyle Lowry a better defender than Marcus Smart? Kyle Lowry had that contested mid-range, too. Is, is he better than Marcus Smart? Lowry is a lot of A lot of defenders have to be good floppers. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. No. Okay, we it's, agree on something. It's That's unfortunate, good. <laughs> you know, because flopping has kind of become a way to get rewarded, right? Where you don't flop and you just get hit. The referees don't call yeah. anything, so you have to flop, and then it gets more and more and more exaggerated. I, I do give a lot of credit to a guy who is has the size that Kyle Lowry does, who's willing to com- to over and over again stick his body in harm's way 
um, to take charges, especially in a playoff series like that makes a huge, huge difference. Do you think if they traded Kyle Lowry and kept DeMar DeRozan, they still would have won the championship that year? Ooh, uh, I don't know. I mean, they they probably would have had a good chance. I, I don't know. Kawhi, Kawhi was the driver on that team. Oh, absolutely. He His was. defensive versatility is what made that team so special, in my opinion. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're saying, do they still win the champ? Like, it, it took a, a ball that hit every side of the rim yeah. 17 times yeah. just for them to beat Philadelphia. Yeah. So, it, if you replay that, does Philadelphia win that series? I, I don't know. That that's Those are questions that I don't think you can answer. And they were playing a box and one against the Golden State Warriors in yeah. the finals. And it took basically a career-ending injury, season-ending injury, to both Kyrie, or I mean, sorry, KD and Clay Thompson. So uh, that's ch- that's tough. Uh, but Phoenix, what's your question about Portland? Let, let us know your, your Portland question, and, and we're happy to answer it. Oh, I think it's up here already. They'll they'll move Anthony Anthony Simons, the pick and other assets to build a win now team. <clears throat> Where is that? It's right below. I have a question about Portland. Oh, okay. Sorry, I missed that. I think if their front office has a brain, they will move uh, Simons, their pick, and other assets to build a win-now team. We talked about that, right? What do you do with Anthony Simons? Because he played really well, uh, but he played even better when Dame Lillard was not out there. So what do you do with that guy? Lillard's definitely not um, in a position to be patient and wait on a rebuild. So yeah. It's unfortunate that they weren't able to get more out of guys like Robert Covington and uh, and C.J. McCollum because if they strike out in free agency, it's going to be tough for them. Um, obviously, having you know the seventh pick, having a guy like Simons will allow them to bring maybe a second guy to this team, but it takes basically three guys plus exceptional role players to win in this league. They need to hit big in free agency they really do they do but i mean at the same time if you look at the free agent class this year certainly there are guys on there that that are attractive i mean zach levine is probably number one right now um depending on what happens with deandre ayton you know i'm not really sure what's going to go what's going to take place there uh but outside of that We've seen, you know, in years past, recently, years past, the free agent class be much more loaded than it is this year. So if they miss out on somebody like Zach Levine, you know, then then what do you do? I, they're, they're in a very interesting position because they have a lot of flexibility. They have a top 10 pick. They have a lot of cap space. Um, they have a tradable asset in Anthony Simons who played really, really well last year, has a lot of offensive potential. So there's a lot of different ways that they can go. But in terms of bringing in the stud, you know, five-star blue-chip people, uh, those guys aren't really out there right now just in the free agent market. It's going to take a trade, I think, in order to add real talent to them. I'll tell you what they do if they miss out on Zach Levine. They trade Damian Lillard. (laughs) I still think that's a a possibility here. I really do. Like, yes, the goal is to keep him and surround him by win-now players, but if you can't do that, maybe they have a handshake deal where it's like, Dame, I'm going to try my best. But if nobody wants to come to this team, 
maybe we need to trade you and rebuild. Yeah. And I could definitely see a situation like that happening. Uh, And I think a lot of teams would trade for Damian Lillard because he's an incredible player. Um, But, yeah, I don't see a quick solution or or a quick answer if you're the Portland Trailblazers unless you're able to just sign Zach Levine and trade, you know, Simons in your pick for DeAndre Ayton or somebody like that. That's a pretty quick yeah. rebuild with three solid guys. And they could try trading Nurkic, I guess, but I don't really know what the he's expired. market is. For, he's expiring. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, that's right. Joe Ingles is expiring. expiring you have uh, Eric Bledsoe under contract next season for a partially guaranteed deal, but for $19 million. You have Josh Hart under contract. Justice Winslow. Uh, like, I don't really know how you're building a championship squad out of this team in one offseason. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be difficult. He's a blazer lifer. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he is as well, but you you got to you, you can't say there's no chance that he gets traded. The, I I think that's tough to Crazier say. Crazier things have happened. I I didn't think Paul Pierce would ever get traded. He I, ended I didn't up think on like Kevin Garnett would ever four get traded. different teams. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it's tough. It's tough. Regarding the Kyle and DeMar question, we don't win that title without Kyle. His playmaking carried the half-court offense at times. Also, his pull-up and catch-and-shoot shooting from three was huge. Also, defense. Yeah, yeah. He trade all of the kids in picks. But what do you think you could realistically get in return for that? Like, Anthony Simon's probably the, the best trade option they have on that squad right now and yeah they have the seventh overall pick but uh, we've already talked about how this draft class doesn't really uh you know scream franchise changing player to anyone so what's the motivation to give away a and a potential all-star player which Mm -hmm. is clearly what portland is looking for here for anthony simons in the seventh pick i mean if you get shaden sharp with pick number seven and he turns out to be an incredible player you keep simons you keep lillard how far do you really go with those three guys? I mean, I don't know. It really depends on how good Shaden Sharp is, obviously. Yeah. Like, I think Anthony Simons will still get better. I agree with Phoenix. He's not a great defender at this point in time. Um, Sharp has a lot of defensive potential. He's super athletic. But it's a huge, huge question mark. Is a re-signing Nurkic high on your priority list for the Blazers? Um, He's 27, made $12 million last season. I feel like you have to, yeah, right? If you probably. strike out, you have to. Probably. And that's the beauty of, of a guy like him, right, is that, you know, we just talked about the conundrum of, of draft versus free agency and how they're at different times. Nurkic might hang around while you make your offer to Zach Levine, uh, DeAndre Ayton, yeah. And then if you don't get yeah, one of I mean, those guys, you're like, Nurkic, come on it, back. It's a fallback plan. Uh, I mean, I, I'm trying to improve. Yeah, he, I could see that. He has a, a little bit of leverage. I don't, I don't know about all of it. but um, And a, you're, I agree here, like, getting guys like Anobi, Julius Randle, those would be improvements for sure. Uh, but they're not, you know, Julius Randle had – has had a couple of really, really good seasons, but he's still been inconsistent at times. 
And Anobi is a, a great defender and a great role player, but that, again, I, I just don't think that's what Portland is looking for here, especially if they're going to give up their best trade asset and the seventh pick. They want a star in return. Yeah. And does New York give Randall for pick seven or Randall and 11 for seven? Well, the Knicks have already been tied to or rumored to the sixth pick with Indiana. They're looking to get Malcolm Brogdon and move up to six is, yeah. is what I'm hearing right now. So that hurts Portland in terms of trying to, to give seven. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Phoenix, 100%. They should rebuild, but they won't. So they are screwed with mediocrity. Yeah. yeah. That's the tough it, thing about tough. having one guy like that who's yeah. obviously an amazing player, but that's all you really have. And that's – one reason why I was so disappointed in the fact that they gave up CJ, they gave up Robert Covington and some of these other guys for basically nothing for cap space. Yeah. What do you do here? I mean, if you if you hit a home run in free agency and you hit a home run in the draft, you can make the playoffs next season. But are you winning a title? No. Well, it's also just unfortunate timing, right? Like yep. just in the past 3 to 4 years Guys like Giannis and Devin Booker and Luca, they've all been paid. Like they, they yep. were potential guys that you could I'm not suggesting that any of those guys would have been stolen, you know, away from their current teams, but it, it's just Portland's in an unfortunate situation having a lot of money to spend, but not the type of targets that you would really like to see out there. Yep. Yeah, Phoenix, I, I agree with you hundred percent, hundred percent on that. <clears throat> But, yeah, I mean, if, if they want to keep Dame, if Dame wants to stay there, he's got to be patient, you know, and they got to be on the same page of like, hey, maybe we rebuild in three years to get you where you want to go, maybe four years before you're competing for a title. Like a home run for me this offseason for the Portland Trailblazers is like, let's say I'm able to trade Simons, my pick, and a future pick, for Bradley Beal, which I know is an absolute stretch, and you would need Bradley Beal to say, I'm, I want to go to Portland. I don't want to go anywhere else. I don't want to be here anymore. That's what you need for that something like that to even happen. Then you need to then you need to like hit a home run with a guy like DeAndre Ayton, offer him a max deal. Nobody matches that. Then you got three guys to build around, and you're still like, okay, who's playing the four for us? Who's playing the three for us? You know, where are we going to get all these other guys? If you were to look at a team like Phoenix, right, how they were able to rebuild and 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 shoot up the standing so fast, they had a bunch of young players that they could throw in and develop and grow with these guys and add a guy like Chris Paul, have a number one overall pick like DeAndre Aiden. Even if Portland hits two home runs, one in the draft or, or one in trade and one in free agency, they're still not a title contender to me. So they have a lot of work ahead of them for sure. Yeah. They also have a pretty brand new front office. Like they just yeah. hired Mike Schmidt as an assistant GM. Um man, now I'm going to blank on the guy they just hired to be their GM. I can't think of his name. But, you know, hopefully they Joe, made the right decision. Joe Cronin. So, yes, Joe Cronin. Thank you. Joe Cronin is the new general manager. Yeah, he's in a tough spot. And we've seen new general managers come in and they're like, I want my guys. I, I don't know Dame. He's a great player and all that, but he's not my guy. He's not the guy that I chose to run this franchise. 
Um, or you could see like what Monty did coming to Sacramento. He kept De'Aaron Fox, or he has so far. Yeah. And he's been like, the reason I came here was for a guy like De'Aaron Fox because I want to build a winner around him. Kings are in a – it's funny to say this because Portland has been incredible. What did they have, like an eight-year streak of making making the playoffs, which is the longest in the West? At this point, Sacramento's looking much better than Portland. I don't know. Portland still has Damian Lillard. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I'm taking Damian Lillard. The Kings got Fox. They got Sabonis. They got Davion Mitchell. They got and the number what, and four. What was their pick. record? What was their winning percentage after they traded for Sabonis? The it, exact same as it was before they traded for him. They had a I'm better saying, record than Portland. I'm, dude, I'm taking Damian Lillard over anything that the Kings have done in okay. the past five years. I'm just saying in terms of like a franchise that's better set up for success in the next two to three years, I think the Kings are in a better position. And that's because... Portland has more options. That's because there's no real big-name guys to get here in free agency. Uh, yeah, I agree. You know, I, if, I just, if KD was a free agent, if you know some of these other big free agents like we've had in the past, and they could be like, oh, I want to create a super team in Portland and go to Portland. But Portland's got all this cap space, and they got a guy like Zach Levine who's probably going to stay with the Bulls, and a guy like DeAndre Ayton who wants a max deal and the team that drafted him that made the finals with him won't even pay it to him. So they got to take a gamble on that guy and maybe get another good player. I think the Kings are in a better position, honestly. I don't know about that. But if they trade Dame Lillard, maybe that's another position. I don't know. <clears throat> the Paul George trade was like six picks in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a great, yeah. great deal for them. Great deal for them. Yeah, it it's very possible that that is Portland's best move at this point. <clears throat> do the Thunder, which is also something that the Kings can't do. <laughs> do the Thunder trade for Damian Lillard, and what do you give up if you're the Thunder, right? Because if you're like, okay, we got six picks and a starter, or or an amazing player for Paul George, yeah. if we give up five picks. For Dame Lillard, we're already in the positive here, right? Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Not not a crazy, well, not a uh, the craziest idea, I think, that anybody's had. And if you're, if you're a team like the Blazers, are you better off going into this season with Simons, with the number two overall pick, and the number seven overall pick, and whatever else you were able to get? from them for Damian Lillard because you could have Simons, Chet Holmgren, Sharp, and potentially a few more draft picks or other players. Maybe you're able to get a guy like, um, oh, Lou Dort or somebody like that. Like, yeah. That could be it's, a quick rebuild, but then you don't have a guy like Damian it's Lillard. It's a, a gamble, but, I mean, yeah. Okay, so he is set up for the greatest rebuild ever. I'm so high on Shy Gilligas Alexander. I think he's an all NBA potential guy. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You think he'd play absolutely. well with Lillard? Absolutely, of course. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. I mean, again, it is another situation where both guys, you know, you you want the ball to be in their hands a lot. Yeah. Um, but man, like, I think Gilgis Alexander could definitely learn to be the the number two off the ball more so guy than than Lillard can. 
If you're the Thunder, what's your (laughs) – it's so hard to, like, just decide on them, right? Even the article I was reading is, like, they're so hard to figure out what they're doing because they hold their cards really close to their chest. If you're the Thunder, what is your offseason priority? What are you trying to do here, right? Like, just keep trading for more picks because at some time you have to be like, okay, let's give up five of these picks and get a starter, or an all-star. Let's give up, you know, this and, and get this guy. It'll be interesting. We're going to talk about that soon, a rebuild of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. And I think that might be a really fun 2K rebuild to do as well. Oh, yeah, for because sure. Because a of, lot of options there. Yeah, yeah, all, all <laughs> good things, all good things. Yep. All right, yeah, you Canada's got any? Got a pretty good national team. All of a sudden, any last questions for us, Phoenix, or anybody else that's watching before we head out? We appreciate you guys for watching. Appreciate you for all your comments. We have a lot of fun talking basketball, yeah, man, and it's I can always tell good to debate that stuff. You do as well. So, and you know your stuff, which is great. Um, favorite Canadian player? I'm just going to throw it out there, Andrew Wiggins, just because of the nickname. I'm going to throw it out there again, Maple Jordan, best nickname of all time best nickname i have a question regarding the king's defensive philosophy do the kings have a defensive philosophy that that's my question what is their defensive philosophy but yeah spit it out let's uh let's handle it and then we're gonna head out here you think they're going to play a lot of drop next year Uh, unless they change their roster a lot they they kind of have to like they're they can't switch that was one of their biggest problems this year um, and they're, they don't seem to want to commit to try to hedging, especially after Rashawn Holmes lost his starting spot. Like, Sabonis is, is much more flat-footed than he is out there on the perimeter. So, yeah, and I, think I, this I all, agree. You, you have to. I think you this all to. comes down to what happens with their draft pick, right? Because if they take a guy like Chet Holmgren, what does that mean for him yeah. and for the team? If he's the best rim protector in the draft, or at least one of them, the Kings haven't had a rim protector in a long time, but what does that mean for Sabonis, right? right. That, that's our main concern is, is we talked about offensively, Sabonis needs to work inside, but what about defensively? Is he going to be able to guard guys on the perimeter? I'm not quite sure. He definitely gives a good effort, but, I mean, he's, he is not anywhere near uh, a per, the perimeter defender that the Kings – need in order yep. to switch screens and and yeah i mean i think semi switching or switching in some situations is a is good in theory like it it should work according to some of the players that the kings have but nba offenses are too smart they're too good players are are way too good at picking apart uh matchups and stuff like that we've seen it time and time again in this in these playoffs like i think you are really running more of a risk of damaging your defense by, by trying to only switch certain screens as opposed to just we're dropping or we're switching everything. Yeah. yeah. Or we're hedging and, everything. And Monty yeah. has said that he's going to be going after 3 and D guys, versatile wings that can defend. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And Mike Brown, defensive-minded coach, uh, I think he's definitely going to put his stamp on this roster, yeah. but uh, I like to me. I like the showing more in the pick and roll. I, I thought that's what the Kings should have done a lot more this year, um, it, and it, it goes both ways too, right? Like they need they need De'Aaron Fox to be a a stud 
yeah. defender. Like that would solve some issues they have in the pick and roll defense because if he's constantly fighting to get over more screens, it's going to draw more, uh, you know, foul calls on illegal screens, all that stuff. So, yep. What's up, Keith Kings? We are just finishing up Q&A, so if you have any questions, let us know. Uh, appreciate you guys all for being here. On today's show, if you are interested in hitting that rewind button or watching it from the start, we talk about the NBA Finals, Gary Payton. We talk about uh, Kanye West's Donda agency has find it, uh, signed its first player. We talk about the draft and the ESPN mock draft that just came out. Uh, Luke Walton hired by the Cavaliers. Uh, what to expect from us in the next couple weeks. And then we have some awesome uh, back and forth with Phoenix here about defense and uh, about the Kings. So definitely an interesting episode to listen to. You think the Kings are going to be a big handoff defense next year? Offense. Oh, sorry. Offense next year. Um, I, I mean, I think it's hard to answer that question because I expect there to be a, a pretty sizable roster change over uh, for the Kings. So I, I'm not really sure what their, their team is going to look like at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. We haven't even reached the draft yet. You know, we got free agency and all that. The, stuff the Kings too. are still expected to be one of the most active teams this off season. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm really excited for this off season. I think it's going to be huge for Sacramento. Uh, and they've been aggressive. We're here, and they might be moving up in the draft, all sorts of stuff. Uh, yeah, I do see Tyler Hero starting next year. Whether it's for the Miami Heat, I'm not so <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I was going to say, do, are you talking about just in general for any of the 30 teams or specifically for Miami? Yeah, I, I definitely think he's going to be starting next year, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if, he, if he's traded. Yeah, Miami's got a really tough decision to make on him. We were just talking about that on yesterday's yeah. episode about yeah. what they do moving forward. They have a lot of money to uh, committed to some guys, mm-hmm. especially guys that don't even play much. So uh, a lot of interesting, interesting offseason decisions for them. And, hey, we are going to break down every single team uh, in the next couple weeks here and what their offseason needs are or what we think they should do. Uh, we'll even go over the NBA champions and talk about what we think they need to do to get back and repeat as champions mm-hmm. because we haven't seen that in a few years. So pretty, pretty interesting. I think Miami's starting five. If they don't trade, Tyler remains the same. Tyler is so awful defensively. Even if Struess isn't that great, he gives a lot of effort and can shoot that thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, but then the, the counter argument to that is, can you really have a max player coming off your bench? I mean, that's it, that's just a a general statement, I guess, right? Like, they're going to have to commit so much money to him. And if he's already outspoken about wanting to start, yeah, he might be happy with getting the contract. But then you come day one of the regular season and you're like, all right, Tyler, you're going to be our sixth man again. That sounds like a trade-me scenario automatically. And not to mention, you're already paying Duncan Robinson how much money, and he's, what, the third string now? Still a lot of money to pay a guy coming off your bench. $25 million a year, even if it's not a max. Yeah, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. All right, you ready to wrap up the show here? All right, thank you guys so much for watching. We appreciate you taking the time out of your day to hang out with us. 
appreciate you phoenix especially for being very very active in the chat shout out to you please hit that like button please hit that subscribe button please share uh, this channel with all your favorite basketball fans we will be back tomorrow june 1st wednesday for another episode uh so thank you guys for joining us and make sure you tune in tomorrow have a wonderful day and don't forget to tip your bartender